This generation under so much pressure Held to a standard impossible to measure Without guys, they suffer No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother Not the fin for the one in the mirror Self-image distorted, can't get no clearer Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets Ain't no fairy tales or yellow bricks By their feet, only crack vials and shell casings Looking for hope, but they still waiting And I implore you to never give up And like Pac said, uh Keep your head up and when your back up against the wall Keep your boots to the ground and stand tall Hold on and be strong And go against all odds, uh And keep your faith in God On this episode, we are spotlighting brother Reza Islam's book, Message to the Millennials. Being a community activist, educator, and humanitarian for nearly 15 years, Reza Islam argues that it is not the black identity extremists that this government is afraid of. It is the black intellectual extremists. This book exposes the plot, agenda, and targeting of the black intellect and an apparent resurrection of Pro in modern time. Get your copy of Message to the Millennials at RizaIslam.com. That's R-I-Z-Z-A-I-S-L-A-M.com. Hi, and welcome to the Liberated Mind Show. My name is Kay. We have James. And today we have someone joining the team. We have Karen. And um, this is episode six. So here we go. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today we're going to discuss uh, conforming while black. Uh, you know, navigating the workplace, and also we're going to discuss code switching. So let's uh, jump right in. The first question is, uh, when you think of conforming, is it merely changing our hair, our speaking voice, and the way we dress, or is it something deeper? Okay. Um, Karen, would you like to start off, or...? Um, of course. Yeah. Um, so when I think about conforming for me in the workplace, I think of um, having to content, um, constantly censor myself and what I say. Uh, I'm going to give you a little story like the other day, for instance, um, I watched the George Floyd uh, video at work. And I was kind of not that I was avoiding watching it. But it was just kind of like, okay, I'm so fed up with having to watch these kind of videos. Like, I'm, I got into that point. So um, it, I think it took me about a good maybe three or four days before I actually watched it after they aired it on um, Facebook. And I was just like so taken back. I was watching my patient in, um, on the porch and I was watching the videos and I watched the videos from different angles. Um, so I got different perspectives. So then when I, I, um, I went back in and the family is really cool, but they're Caucasian and they don't really understand, like they're colorblind pretty much. So they don't really understand like color problems. So I, I asked the mom, I said, did you watch the video? She was like, ah, oh, I just think it's so disgusting and I just don't want to talk about it. And I was just like, like immediately I was uh, so offended. I was like, like she just shut me down and I was completely offended, but I know I, I was at my workplace and I couldn't say but so much. But right then and there, I was just like, okay, 
Like I'm at work and I can't say too much, but I felt kind of like, oh, so it's okay for you to have me here taking care of your son, but we, and, and have different conversations. But when it comes to that color conversation, you don't want to have that one, right? Okay. So I kind of felt like, okay, um, I know my place now. <laughs> like where I thought that I was like, um, kind of like part of a team. And it was, it's more like I'm playing a role and this is what I'm supposed to do while I'm here and I can't step out of that. So that's how I felt like the last time that I had to conform where I didn't feel like I can express myself the way I wanted to. I kind of had to dumb myself down and censor myself. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely understand that feeling. It's um, the feeling of being an outsider. And it's like, um, there, there are topics at work everyone speaks on, but when, whenever we have uh, racial matters, I'll, I'll categorize it as, you know, there's a lot of conversations cut short and it's like people don't want to speak on it because it makes those, it just makes, plain and simple, it makes white people uncomfortable to speak about race. And I don't know if it's guilt tripping or if it's just, you know what, I'm one of the good ones, but I still don't want to speak on this. So it's like a tippy toe and we'll change the topic up front. I, I've noticed um, like the, the culture, the culture difference between us and um, Caucasians when it comes to the workplace, it's like we conform in ways of the way we must dress, even sometimes the way we, we even deliver in, in, in our speech, um, we have to put on that they say, professional voice. We have to put on a professional voice and um, keep our hair a certain type of way. And I feel it's like um, it's like downplaying ourselves to make them feel at ease amongst ourselves. So um, I always feel as though conformity. I've I've always said it's like a conformity is just a a different a different way to say castration in a sense it's like all right we want you to be this if you behave in this manner and look this way we will accept you but the minute you start going beyond that it's an issue i'll give you an example uh last week we had a a meeting a zoom meeting and it was on a Friday, so it was casual. I wore my hat, the same exact hat. And I heard someone was like, oh, look at Kunle. I was wearing a t-shirt as well. I was like, look at him, he, he's all thugged out today. Wow. Ha ha ha, tee hee hee ha, is what they were all doing. I was just like, wow. That's all I said, I said, wow. So it's like, like I said, if they don't see you in a a collared shirt or a button-up um, with a haircut, it's like, all right, he, he looks like the rest of them. That's the, that's the type of, um, I guess, um, alert, or that's the type of way they interpret you. It's like, oh, he looks like the rest of them. I, I'd be afraid. And that's exactly what it is. It's fear. It's fear of just someone not, not um, depicting themselves in the way that makes you comfortable. So yes, I, I do believe it's just a tactic for them to feel comfortable. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I have an example too. Uh, recently, I went for a promotion at my job. And um, first of all, they put me through five interviews, which is crazy to me. But um, when I got to the last part, um, the person that was the hiring manager, they scheduled a meeting to tell me I didn't get it. So they, they could explain why I didn't get it. So the reason that she gave me was that throughout the interview process, my answers were too clear and concise and to the point. That was the reason why I got turned down, that she gave me. And then, because I, I, I was like, what does that mean? That doesn't sound bad. And she was like, um, well, I'm used to interviewing people who have personalities like me. And I'm like, I'll never be you. I'm not bubbly. I'm, I'm not like that. Like, if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer it to the best of my ability. But I'm not going to be all hee-hee-ha-ha and stuff like that. And then, um, long story short, she got to the end and she tried to uh, – did y'all, y'all seen the movie The Blind Side? Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I never watched it. Okay, but, well, she offered to blindside me. She offered to be my Sandra Bullock. So, like, take credit if I ever, um, you know, had another interview and wanted to excel or move up, so she could take that credit. You're saving and be like, and be like, yeah, this is this is my project. This is my boy. What? Yeah. So she yeah, she offered that before the end of the meeting, and I was like, I was kind of furious because. She scheduled a whole meeting just to tell me I needed to conform, mm. and then I'll be able to move up. And, and it was it was so crazy. It was so because I went through the whole interview process, and every interview that I had with everybody else, it w- it went really well. Right. And you know you can you can pick up on vibes and everything. It went really well. But then when I got to that point with her, she gave me this answer that was. I would have rather her just told me we didn't give it to you because you're black and you have a beard. I would have I would have been okay with that because I'm like at least you're being honest and it's a better answer than what you gave me. Right, because yeah, those traits that you described that seems to be what employers look for. Yeah, especially because it was a um, like a head trainer position, and when you're training someone, you have to be clear, you have to be concise. Right. So I'm like, okay. So the things that a, a good trainer should possess, that's the reason why I didn't get the position. I got it. I should have came in here, you know, conformed, changed my voice up, mm-hmm. you know, came in there clean shaven, you know, should have did all that. Maybe I would have got the position. <laughs> right, it wouldn't but, have been you if you would have done that. Exactly. That, that's what I was thinking too, but I noticed like halfway through that, I don't, I don't like calling the meeting. It was like a, a fraudulent kind of situation because I was, I was not happy. I, w- I wasn't happy and I had to sit there for like a half an hour in this meeting. You, you wouldn't have liked to be around those kind of people every day anyway. So, it, you know, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm like that too. If people can't accept me, I, I will, you know, I guess, censor myself to a certain point at work but 
I won't put it myself like um, because I think because I've done this kind of work for so long that I, I I know that I wouldn't put myself in a position where I would have to like dilute myself completely. Mm-hmm. But um, that kind of sounds like they wanted you diluted. Like they didn't even want they didn't want none of your blackness up in there. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> they want they wanted James Light. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Version. And and one thing, like even when it comes to uh, females, I, I know one thing I would always hear, because my sister used to get it a lot, why don't you smile more? I, I'm sure you've been told yeah. that before, Karen, because uh, that's one thing my sister would, she hated hearing that. She's like, so what, would it, would it make you feel better if I walked around all day just looking like a fool, smiling? <laughs> She's like, you know, they come up with terms, even for females, like the resting bee face or whatever. Yeah. All of that. It's, it's like I said, it's crazy, but I, I see it majority of the time with uh, women of color. I, I don't see it too much with, you know, when it comes to white women. That's one thing I've noticed. Just hypocrisy, plain and simple. Yeah, because, I mean... White people know how to put on a face. Definitely. Oh, sorry. They know how to put on put on a face. So we don't know how to do that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a that's a super talent. Yeah, that's that that's one of their kind of talents. Like they can they can act non racist and be racist. True. They can, yeah. they can act like they like you and they really don't. So mm-hmm. that's that's what they're good at. Exactly. Oh. Like a like a covert operation. Mm-hmm. What's that? Oh. Yeah. That is it's crazy. Like I I I keep remembering that because I'm like it was the first time I've ever experienced that, like in that kind of setting where like I'm told that good qualities for the for the position was actually my downfall. And it was, it was really weird. So this leads to our next question. Is conforming necessary to navigate the workplace? I, I believe, I believe, yeah, it, it's necessary to navigate. It's uh, necessary to land that job as well. Um, unfortunately, I, I do say that as unfortunately, because if if you were to just, you know, attend a job interview, go in there and be like 100% be yourself, they I don't think they feel comfortable with that um, unless unless the, the job position calls for, um, I guess, like I, I worked in a case management position at one time and it, it it required us to go out into the field so they they wanted to see that type of person that could you know show themselves for who they are and not necessarily have to look clean cut so that that was a, that was acceptable for that type but um in a corporate environment they want to see that okay this person this person's safe they they will um 
they fit the description more or less, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I think it's necessary. What about you, Karen? So yes, conformity is necessary in the workplace. Um, and the point that I was making earlier is that I think we um, start to become or, or start to conform once we get into a higher education, that's when the conforming starts. Because it's like, that's where the training comes in. So while you're being trained to do a, or perform a specific job, you are kind of like, it's kind of like unconsciously, they, they program you in this manner. And then like you unconsciously behave in that manner at work, but you're like, most people do it unconsciously because they don't know. But then when um, I think it's necessary to a certain degree because it's part of the job des description and, and, and that's like uh, what we have to learn and how we learned it. So this is the way that the job needs to be performed. But once you're able to get into the job, you can feel your way through and know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. So, I mean, sometimes your personality can be uh, used in your job, like me per se, because I, I work with peds. So I work with children. So, you know, I can kind of like let loose a little bit, but there's just certain things that I, I have to conform with. Like, for instance, I may not agree with a certain way um, that, a medicine or a protocol is done, but I have to follow that protocol because my license is in jeopardy. So most of the time I will have to do it that way because if I don't do it that way, it would impact me in a very negative way. So when, when you know, which, when, when there's conformity, like, everybody acts in like kind of like a uniform fashion. So everybody pretty much plays that same role. So if you kind of be, you're the eyeball out, people are going to be like, oh, well, that's not the way the other nurse did it. She did it this way. So why, you know, so it's just like a unison. So yes, it's necessary. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so do you both believe that there is more pressure to conform that comes from other uh, people of color? Can you repeat that question? I'm sorry. Do you believe that there is more pressure to conform that comes from other people of color more so than uh, like white people in the workplace? No. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I I've, I've worked in different environments. Um, I've worked at companies that have been majority African-American and companies that have been majority Caucasian, my coworkers. And I, what I've noticed is in the workplace, majority, when I'm saying majority, I'm talking like 90% or higher, African-American. I noticed um, this one time where a coworker, she, she would wear weaves all the time. So she got to this space in her life where she no longer wanted to wear weaves and she wanted to go natural. So 
all of a sudden, when she started going natural, the director and coworkers started saying, what's up with her hair? Can somebody go talk to her about wearing her hair appropriately? Uh, we don't appreciate the way it's looking. And I was in disbelief thinking, this amongst your, your own people who have the same type of hair, so they should be more understanding. But they literally went out of their way to speak on her hair and make her feel some type of way about it. Whereas the companies that have been majority Caucasian, there's um instance where this younger guy, he wears his hair. Um, I don't know, I don't know what the name of it, the style is, but he he has hair, it's not an afro, and it's not like it's um braided up or anything, but he just wears his hair out. It's long length. And other other um, black guy I work with, there's not many of us. He's like, oh, he needs to go cut his hair or something, man. He's not making us look good. He needs to do something with that. And I'm like, what's wrong with his hair? I don't see anything wrong with it. it, it I've heard the white coworkers speak on it and be like, well, what style is that? Is that like a dreadlock or, or something? I don't know what's going on with his hair. And I'm just like, no, those aren't those aren't dreadlocks. I call them locks, but those aren't dreadlocks. And I said he's just wearing his hair out. I said there's no difference in when somebody wears their hair. I see such and such. I would name they wear a ponytail. So when they take the the band out of their hair, it's the same thing. Our hair grows upward. That's that's the only difference. So, like I said, I've seen it on both sides where I, I do think there is some. Um, some some people will claim that it's hey it's looking professional, but at the same time I've I've never I've never heard um, a white coworker say hey look at that person's hair or even when they grow out a beard and their beard starts from the bottom of their neck <laughs> upward where they don't even shave. So one thing I've I've noticed also that my white coworkers they unlike our black coworkers who get a haircut like every two weeks. White coworkers might get a haircut every two months. You know what I mean? And I've never heard anyone say, hey, that person needs a haircut. Their hair looking kind of rough. I just see it with us. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's literally laws on the books about hair, African-American hair. Or can I say, not even African-American hair, because just some um, people who aren't white with their hairstyles, where they can't be discriminated against, which is absurd to me that it has to be a law saying that you can't discriminate based on someone's hair that grows from their scalp naturally. I can understand if you're against, you have a policy on like hair dye of like purple or, or red or something that you don't want to stand out at your company, but this is literally people's natural hair that um, people seem to discriminate against that they have to make a law up about it. But not to drift off topic, but that just came to mind. But yeah, I've seen it. I've seen where there's pressure on us to conform in a sense from, from both sides. And in both those instances, it happened to be uh, people of color. Yeah. Um, yeah, what I've encountered is that it's usually older people that have been with the company, like older uh, black men and women who feel that they're successful with the company because they've done things this way. So if they see anybody doing anything a different way, 
they feel like, oh, that's wrong. You need to do this this way, and they'll pull you to the side. The um, phrase that I dislike strongly is perception is reality. Because what that's pretty much saying is that however someone sees you matters that much that it should force you to change yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not that's not fair because someone could have skewed views or maybe racist. So their perception isn't accurate. Their perception is cloudy. So it can't be reality. Right. Perception is just an, an opinion, honestly. It is. So yeah, that's that's one of those phrases I don't like hearing, but I hear it all the time in the workplace. Yeah. I think that your perception is, um, or your reality is based on your experiences. So like perception is just like you said, like an opinion, something objective that someone sees and is making an opinion about. So, I mean, I've never had to go through that because, you know, um, you know what? I did actually go through that one time. It was a very long time ago before I became a nurse. There was a, I, I worked at a, um, at a warehouse that, that delivers for restoration hardware. Do you guys know what restoration hardware is? very expensive store in Short Hills Mall. It's a, um, a furniture store. I think I heard of it before. So they, I mean, they sell a dresser that's $1,500, like that type of stuff. So they're bougie. Yeah. Um, I worked along, my manager was a black lady, but she was a black lady that spoke like a white girl, like she was an Oreo. Mm -hmm. But she was cool. Like you could tell she was raised in a black environment but she kind of took on to like her work environment so she had like that kind of bipolar <laughs> like one minute she act like she's from the hood the next she's like white or whatever so um one day she um they let me go they uh, they laid me off and she was like well you know, they're going to lay you off because, and you know what she said to me? She said, because um, you act too ghetto. I said, I said, excuse me? She says, uh, I said, is that even a word? I'm acting ghetto? I mean, I hear people that are from the ghetto talk like that, but you, we're in a workplace so professionally, you're talking to me like you're, you're ghetto, <laughs> like pretty much. You're talking to me in that lingo. Mm -hmm. So um, I said, ghetto is a place, not, you know, a, a, you know, a person or to describe a person. You can't like, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but in this environment, I don't really understand what you're saying because I'm here to perform, perform a task. I'm here to do a job. And for you to tell me that I'm acting a way that is offensive to me when I'm doing my job and performing my job, I said, it really makes no sense. So I feel like, yeah, she came at me in a way like, excuse me? Like, so you want me to talk like you? Like, oh my God, um, uh, Mike, did you hear? Like, no, I'm not gonna talk like that because that's not me. Right. So she was, 
she was gonna get told off, but uh, I decided not to act ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So, uh, speaking of that, since you uh, just discussed some eye code switching, is code switching a necessary skill that we must become adept at, or is it more so a form of selling out? I think it's a form of selling out. It's a form of selling out. It's like kind of like settling and saying, well, in order for me to uh, make this money, I have to behave in a manner that is not genuine to who I really am or authentic to who I am as a person. So, yes, cold switching is definitely a... Um, a sellout like you're selling yourself out like I don't I'm who I am no matter where I am like I'm talk. I talk like the way I talk everywhere like when I go to work I'm professional I'm in my professional uniform and I do my profession with my nursing skills and I'm a skilled nurse so as long as my skills are up to par I don't have to worry I no longer have to worry about conforming to a point where I'm selling myself short because I've acquired the skills that are needed to perform that job. So I don't work under a manager and I don't work under someone looking over me other than the, the, the family of the, uh, the, the patient that I'm working with. And most of the time I'm, I'm cool enough with them where they are like, okay, she's like, she does her job. She gets here on time. She does what she's supposed to do. So that, you know, in itself is, is good. But I would never be able to walk into my job like code switching because it just doesn't feel natural. And I don't even want to feel like I'm pressured to do so. I I see it as um, I don't think it's necessarily um, necessary. I've been in positions where they said, do you know if you did A, B, and C, you could be a manager? At my um, last job I worked at, to the point where at one point they wanted me to go out to Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, for training and I was I'm not interested I said I'm not interested in going to Utah I said there's nothing in Utah I can relate to so they said oh you're, you're a little rough around the edges and well that's who I am but at the same time I get an award for my position as like um award for whatever year that was for being good at what I did so it's like all right it's not my work ethic but you're speaking on my personality so if you feel as though my work ethic is good enough for me to get an award, but at the same time, my personality isn't what you desire, it, I mean, so be it. I'm not interested in that. Like Karen said, we, you shouldn't have to, you should accept somebody for who they are. If they're doing their job, they're doing their job. But at the same time, I feel as though if you feel if you feel as though someone needs to change their personality, it, who, who has the issue? Who really has that issue? It's something about you. That, says, that speaks volumes of you and not that person. So 
I, I know there are people that feel as though uh, the best way up the ladder is to kiss ass. And I've just never been that that type. It's like, all right, if you if you're gonna accept me, you're gonna accept me for who I am, and that's the only way. I can I can sleep at night knowing I earned what I earned by being myself and true to myself, not being phony with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the thing I've heard in the past is um, that I'm not coachable, but I know I'm, that's not true. The thing is I'm not moldable, so they can't mold me into what they want me to be because I'm, I'm coachable because I pick up skills and lessons very well and knowledge. So it's not that I can't be coached. It's the fact that you can't mold me into the type of person that you want me to be, and that's the issue. So, like, I think the people who are able to code switch and go back and forth with no problem, those are the ideal people that they can mold and shape into whoever they want them to be. And that's that seems ideal. And it's like everybody isn't like that. And I don't believe everybody should be like that because you have to maintain a sense of self at all times. So, yeah. Um, anything else on that uh, topic? I think um, once you start selling yourself out, you start to dilute yourself. And the same um, things that they loved you for, they will now look at you and judge you and say, oh, well, look at her now. Like, you know, like, so... I don't know. I think to blaze your own trail and leave your own, you know, thing, like when I, when I do my cases, I'm always the preferred nurse and I may not go back to that patient. I may not even be interested in taking on that patient's case again, but the family will say, I want Karen again. Cause I, I love how Karen treated my son. I love how attentive she is. Like, you know, I may not be your ideal, you know, mold per se, but um, I have a lot of good, authentic, unique qualities about myself that I know that catch people as well as I am a little rough around the edges too, like everybody else. Um, you know, that I guess, and it's not, I don't even think it's rough around the edges. I want to say it's just, we're not putting on a facade for people to like us. It's either you do or you don't. And if you don't, I'm fine with that. If you do, then hey, join the party. Let's have fun. Definitely. The closest that I could come to doing that is just not speaking on certain topics. That's that's the closest you'll see, but um, other than that, I'm not I'm not gonna fake the funk per se to to get to this point within a career is just not me. Yeah, definitely. So to that point, has conforming become the chosen path because it makes white coworkers more comfortable? What, what do you mean by the chosen path for whom? For those that, uh, you know, choose to 
code switch and choose to, uh, you know, be in the corporate world to the what they feel is the successful path. It's it's definitely. I don't believe there's somebody, someone who does that. I don't believe they're comfortable in doing that. I just feel as though that's the way they survive. That's the way that they um, keep their income alive, so to speak. And I feel people who who do adapt that they it becomes a part of them. And I even think even outside of work, because it it, it has to come natural. It's not. I don't believe it's something that just is used for work. I believe somebody, let's face it, it's a form of lying in my opinion. So a, a good liar is probably great at that. As a matter of fact, I know a couple of people that are great liars. Well, not great because I know they're lying, but that's what they do. And they do do that at work where they can sit up there and tell them everything they want to hear and, tell their um, boss everything they would like to hear and do everything they, they want them to do. I think it's, I don't think it's an acquired skill. I think that's a personality trait. So, and it's definitely to make um, the other people feel comfortable. Like I said, it's just, that's the whole purpose of it. Everything is just do it this way. And if you look at it, if it's not interfering, if it's not interfering in your, um, in the way in which you conduct yourself and uh, conduct your job, what does it matter if I can speak one way or the other or behave this way or the other? So it, it is it is a sense of, all right, if this person acts like this, then I'm fine. I've, I've been in situations where I've had um, managers, case in point, my last job, like I said, that place majority was African-American, but there was at one point when a, a new director came in and she was Caucasian and she put up all this in her office. She put up like some Elvis Presley little statue and all this, a lot of country music stuff. So I already knew where she was coming from. I know what part she came from like Western Pennsylvania as well. So she's coming from a rural environment coming into South Philly. So at that point, I'm like, all right, I already know this person's mindset. And she was afraid to express herself, she had meetings with us where she's like, all right, I want to get to know who you are. And I told her from, from the gate, I said, me, I'm very um, opinionated and I express myself. I don't, I don't, um, I don't harbor my feelings. So if there's something I don't agree with you on, you will know it. That's just how I operate. And when I told her something, there was an, it, there was a point one time where she spent a bunch of our budget on some type of event that ended up being a flop and we forewarned her this isn't going to work so when she came to she tried to call me out in front of everyone saying that I was just hanging out this is after the event I was hanging out with co-workers and don't I have work to do I said yeah I have work to do um I was just outside of the event you wasted money on and we saw how successful that was. When I said that to her, she turned red and she started backing up. Like she, she was startled. I said that. So like I said, it's because I didn't conform and say, Oh, let me go run back to my desk real quick because she came to me to, 
I guess, to criticize me not being where she thought I should have been. But it was literally 10 to 15 minutes to the end of the day. At that point, we did our work for the day. I'm not going to just sit there and, oh, I have, if I have nothing to do, I have nothing to do. Is that my fault or is that your fault? As you being a director, you have to put the work there so that there's enough work for me to be in my office doing work. But if I've done all my work, guess what? I got 10 minutes to waste. I'll waste 10 minutes chatting to coworkers. But at the same time, you can't um, expect me to sit up there and fake the funk just because that makes you comfortable that I should be where I should, where you think I should be at that point in time. Wow, that's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. It sounds right. like she was pulling rank. Oh, she she definitely was. Um, I think the time she had came in at my director, he had retired in October. Um, and by I went out, I went out on medical leave because I had surgery around Martin Luther King. So she came in, in October. From October to January, she had fired three people. Three people. She came in. She did their assessment saying, oh, well, they didn't reach these goals. Boom, 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 boom. And as a matter of fact, when I came back, she wanted to um, do my assessment. But I already had put in my two weeks. I never told her. I took it to HR. HR said, make sure you notify your, um, your boss. I said, like, okay, I'll notify her. A week before I was to leave, she um, came out with the assessment. She was grinning. Because she wanted to get me. So she's like, all right, we're going to sit down and do your assessment. I said, okay, well, here, I got something to give you. I gave her the, the two weeks notice. She's like, but this is, says two weeks. Next week is your last week according to this. I said, yeah, I know. And then I walked off. I said, there's no sense in doing this. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how you get even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So the uh, final question I have is, um, how can we navigate corporate America while maintaining our identities? Choose, choose a path that is, that you can identify with your job. Like, like choose a path that you can identify with. I think that that's the best way. Because if you choose a, a, a career or a path that you can identify with, then that will be part of you and your personality. So if you choose to do advertisement or marketing or whatever it is that you look into do, or you want to be a motivational speaker, if you, if you have the passion and the drive for that, then, and, and, and it's, um, and your personality can shine through, I think that that's the best way. And I think I've heard Oprah say uh, before, uh, follow what you love and the, I mean, um, do what you love and the money will follow. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Um, definitely follow a, a career in which you're interested in. And if possible, Become a business owner. Therefore, you don't have to be in that predicament. Mm -hmm. Because um, while you're spending time um, doing all that to 
make somebody at ease who doesn't necessarily even like you to begin with. Um, you can put that time and energy into building something on your own to where you answer to yourself. That's another option as well, I believe. Yeah. I agree with that option. That's, I think that's one of the best options that you can do. And that's, that's the option that I'm going towards right now. Like I feel that it's, it's, it's uh, time to build for me instead of building for someone else, right? Because even though I will leave, back, leave behind a legacy when it comes to nursing and who I am as a nurse, I also feel like I, having something established in my name that I can pass down to my children and they can pass down to their children if it's big enough. Um, I think that that in itself will give not only myself an opportunity to, to live life on my own terms, but it will give my children the opportunity to live their life on their own terms, if that's what they choose to do. If they don't choose to do what I leave behind, then they can always um, oversee and still be able to you know, uh, benefit from, from that labor. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely good. Yeah, creating a legacy and um, generational wealth. Absolutely. That's definitely um, important. Um, I feel like navigating through, not just corporate America, but in the workplace in general, you have to, um, not get so caught up in the work that you lose yourself in the work. Like, it's a lot of people who they're not going to have the same mindsets that we have. So it's those people that have to be uh, quote unquote worker bees that just have to go along just to get along. It's just like that. But like people like ourselves, we're navigating through, but we're, we're figuring out our own path instead of a path that's laid out for us. So I think that's um, ideal to navigating. And I think after you navigate so far, it's going to be a fork in the road where you have to go and do your own thing. You have to start building your own legacy and creating that generational wealth. And then you no longer have to worry about navigating. You just have to worry about building and you're no longer making other people rich. You're making you and your family rich. And not only rich, but something that's going to be residual and keep paying you over and over again for generation after generation. So I think that's um, the key and the ultimate goal, like y'all um, both said. But yeah. Um, yeah, so... This was another great episode. Um, once again, welcome, Karen, to the team. Thank you. And as always, thank you for tuning in. And stay on code, one accord, one love. Thank you for joining us. Peace. This generation under so much pressure, held to a standard impossible to measure. Without guys, they suffer. No father in sight, uh, no love from their mother. Not the fin for the one in the mirror. Self-image distorted, can't get no clearer. Damn, lost souls devoured by the streets. Ain't
Latino fairy tales on yellow bricks. Body feet, only crack vials and shell cases. Looking for hope, but they still waiting. And I implore you to never give up and like.